want to welcome you to, uh, again, our Uptown Baptist Church. It is a glorious morning. Amen? You know, when Pastor Mark said there's some nice cool water back there that, you know, for those of you who are thirsty, kind of remind me about the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman. When Jesus approached this woman, he said, give me something, give me something to drink. And she was kind of blown away. Why? Because Jews don't talk to so the Samaritan, let alone a woman. But the point that he was getting at with this woman, it was because he wanted to drive this woman's heart. And he wanted to minister to her in a personal and intimate way. And this is what our Lord Jesus Christ does. He's compassionate and he's merciful. He didn't go and say, you woman, how dare you? you? You live an adulterous life. You have five or six husbands. He didn't criticize us like normal sometimes Christians do. Do we not? We bring judgment. But what Jesus said to this woman, he said, because she knew, he knew that she had this thirst. And he says, I'll give you water. And if you drink my water, you will never thirst again. Amen? Amen? Now, we get thirsty. Our human physical body gets thirsty. And that's why we need water, especially in the hot weather like this, you need ice cold water. But however, more than that, I want to bring out a teaching lesson there. All of you, including myself, do we drink to the fountain of God that we will never thirst again. We will always be satisfied. We will always be content. And that's the challenge and that's the question that I want to ask you and beginning with me. Are we drinking from the water from God? That's not my sermon, by the way. But I just got to I gotta, I gotta use that because, again, I, I learned from Jesus. Jesus looks, looks at an opportunity and he uses that opportunity for a teaching moment. And then when he brought that, the water analogy, it, that just came into my mind. But let's pray. And, but before we pray, I, I'm super excited, as always, but I'm really super excited about this new sermon series that we're going to start and we're going to kick off this month of June. And it's to be the church. To be the church. And the question that I want to ask all of us is not to be the church to what you envision, to be the church what you think, but to be the church what God has envisioned our church to be. Oftentimes we fall into this consumerism, and oftentimes the leadership, the mistake that they make to the members is that, what do you envision the church to look like? What do you see what a church ought to be? They ask those questions to the members, and those questions are fine. Those services are fine. But ultimate question that you and I be asking or be prayerfully asking is what? What does God envision UBC to be? What does God envision that UBC to become? And that's what we're going to talk about next four weeks. Today we're going to kick about, talk about and kick it off with believing. First and foremost, as a church, that we need to believe. And the question that you may ask is, believe what, Pastor, Mar uh, Pastor Nick? Believe what? And that's what we're going to talk about today. So let's pray, and then we'll go into our message. Amen? Father, we thank you for this glorious, beautiful morning. Lord, may we give you praise and worship because of what you have done for us. Though that we may be distracted by the things that we need to do today. Some of us are thinking, when is this service is going to be over because I want to go into my air-conditioned car or my air-conditioned house. 
Well, some of us said, I got to do some garden work when I go back home. I got to do some grocery shopping. I got to clean the house. And some of, some of us, we got all these things uh, in our minds. But I pray in the name of Jesus that right now that we will focus on Jesus and that we will allow Jesus to speak to us and minister to us in a personal, intimate, practical way. Amen? So power of God, we need you more than ever. Spirit of God, as we are your temple, that you dwell in us. Spirit of God, as we are your church, give us more power to hear your word, to proclaim your word, and that we will be transformed by renewing of our minds, by your word, so anointed. Father, we also thank you and praise you for the SBC convention that is about to start this week. Father, I know that a team of us from UBC is going down this, this week, and, they, and they're going to partner with the local church, and they're going to share the gospel. Father, I pray that you would empower them, fill them with your Holy Spirit, give them words to speak, give, uh, use them in a mighty powerful way so that many people will come to the saving knowledge of Christ. And that same team, they will be fired up, and they will come back to Uptown Community and share the gospel with the same passion. Father, I pray for the uh, Southern Baptist Convention as they are about to uh, vote in new leadership. I pray that you would ordain it. And I pray that your will be done. And you will place the right people in the leadership for your honor and glory. And I pray that as, as Southern Baptist churches come together from different parts of the world and different parts of the state, that we will come under the Lordship of Christ and that we will be united under the Lordship of Christ. And that is not about us, but it's about our fellow brothers and sisters. But more importantly, it's about Christ being glorified at the Southern Baptist Convention. That's what we ask. And now, may your servant, as he delivers your word, may the meditation of my heart may be pleasing to your sight. And the words that I speak may not be man's opinion, but words that are flowing down from the kingdom of heaven. Be glorified. Be exalted. In the holy name of Christ we pray. Amen. Amen. Many years ago, a friend of ours, a family friend, invited me to their house for a dinner. And if you know me by now, I don't reject an invitation that has dinner. <laughs> Yesterday we were... Uh, invited, and we had a nice lunch, and, uh, but, you know, my, my wife, G, and I were blessed by the meal, and, and just by, blessed by the fellowship, and we thank her for their hospitality. So that's an, uh, a little side implication. You could invite our family anytime, amen? <laughs> Kidding on the side, you don't have to have lunch, but just being in your house and it would be a blessing to us. So my wife and I and Elder Doug, we are open. As you uh, want to extend that invitation to us, we would lovely welcome that and embrace it, and we'll be there. But as I was saying, several years ago, a friend of ours invited over to their house for dinner. So we gathered around the kitchen table, and we sat down, and we were catching up and having a conversation. And in the midst of conversation, my stomach started to growl. And my wife would tell you that when I get hungry, I get a little bit antsy. 
and I get a little irritated. I get hungry. So as I was sitting around the kitchen table, I noticed a bowl of fruit in the center of the table. I know this family well, so I don't even have to ask, can I have a, pe- can I have a pear or apple to reach for the, uh, the fruit? I know them well, so I don't have to do that. So I just kind of leaned over and grabbed a pear. And as I stood, grabbed the pear and as I was put about put it into my mouth, that thing was artificial. That thing was fake. <laughs> you know? But I thought for a moment, it looked like a real deal. That thing was unbelievably, unbelievable, real to me. It looked like a real thing. And the question that came into my mind was this, that I want to ask all of us beginning of, of, with me, is that are we the real deal? When people came real close, what do they see? What do we look like? We may appear to be good Christians, amen? By going to church every Sunday faithfully, attending small groups, and even serving. But when people get real close, will they see that we are the real deal? Are we authentic followers of Jesus Christ and therefore produce real fruit? Or are we something else? Are we bearing fruit in our lives so that people can see that we are the real deal, producing real fruit rather rather than artificial fruit? In the case of the bowl of the fruit, it appeared to be real, but it was artificial. There was nothing real about it. Check this out. It was only good for decoration. What about us? Are we the real deal? Are we only good for decoration? Are you hearing me? As a church, are we just a decoration in the local community? Oh, the Uptown Baptist Church, that's a lovely church. It looks nice. But when they get real close, what do they see? In the same way, Jesus had a real problem with religious leaders back then, right? The Sadducees, the Pharisees. Uh, teachers of the law, these endless titles, right? The Sanhedrin, it goes on and on and on and on. But Jesus had a real problem with these religious leaders during his time. Why? They appeared to be holy and righteous, but inside, what was happening? They were not genuine. They weren't real. They were not the real deal. So this morning, I want to talk to you specifically about how Jesus draw contrast between those who are fruitless, meaning faithless, and those who are faith-filled, meaning faithful. So that's what Jesus wants to teach us this morning. And he wants to draw a contrast between those two. And he's going to challenge us by asking the question. And he's going to say, search your heart. Do inventory of your mind and heart. Are you faith-filled? Are you fruitful? Or are you fruitless? Or are you faithless? That's the question that we need to ask ourselves as we listen to the teachings of Christ this morning. The text this morning is one of the Gospels, the first Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is the first Gospel, Matthew. 
And if you could turn with me to uh, Matthew chapter 21, if you have your Bible or if you have your electronic Bible, that would be great. Or you could look behind me and you can see it and follow along. So there are two things that I want to draw out here. First one is the fruitless, as you can see. And the main point, the first point is fruitless and faithless. And we'll cover that from 18 and 19. Notice in verse 18, uh, Matthew writes, Early in the morning, as Jesus was on his way back to the city, he was hungry. He was hungry. Now, Jesus and his disciples were heading back to Jerusalem. And again, the text says that it was early in the morning. And what this tells us, Matthew describes, again, because Matthew was there and it was firsthand experienced it, and he noticed that Jesus was hungry. He was hungry. And perhaps Jesus did not have his breakfast at that morning, at that time. Or he just had a big appetite, you know. But I don't know about you. I'm a big breakfast person, so I need to eat breakfast. If I, can, if I don't eat breakfast, then I can't function the rest of the day. And I get real hungry too. But the Bible tells us that Jesus was hungry. Now on the road, he noticed a fig tree. That's what scripture tells us. And he was thinking to himself as he was, look, as he was approaching the fig tree, he noticed that the leaves were there. And perhaps he said, there may be some fruit that in the tree that I can take and grab and have that for my, to satisfy my hunger or to have my breakfast. But once he got there, what happened? He was utterly disappointed. And the reason why he was utterly disappointed is in notice in Matthew chapter 9, of, uh, verse 19, he says, seeing a fig tree by the road, he went up to it, but found nothing on it except leaves. He thought, naturally, there was fruit because leaves were there. Now, now when Jesus went up to this fig tree, he had two assumptions. Two assumptions. And the first assumption is this. Is that the fig tree was created for what? To bear fruit. That was the first, first assumption that Jesus had for the fig tree. Why? At the same time, he created the fig tree. He, so he knows that he created a fig tree to create, uh, for, to create what? Fruit. Or to bear fruit. Second assumption Jesus had was the fig tree was created to feed others. That was the purpose of the fig tree. The purpose of the fig tree was not to fake anyone out. Not to say, psych, you came to my tree, I had no food. <laughs> it was not for that purpose. It was, to, for purpose was to bear fruit and then also to feed others. Yes, Jesus gets there and he's, he's like, what in the world? I don't see any fruit. Well, this got me thinking. Hear me now, please. What about us? That's the question. That's the question that we need to ask ourselves. What about us? When Jesus gets real close to you, what does he see? What does he see? Are we bearing fruit? Or he may come and say, Nick, what the? 
world, I don't see any fruit. He may say that. That's the challenge challenging question that we need to ask ourselves. What does Jesus see when he gets real close to you? Is he going to be surprised? Is he going to get faked out? The question is, are we real? That's the question. Are we real? Scripture tells us that we were created to bear fruit, brothers and sisters. And the fruit that we produce is to feed and nourish other people around us. And that's what the leadership team is doing. We see the Sunday school leaders, leaders that started the class. God has created the brothers and, brothers and sisters. To, that they were created to bear fruit, to teaching. And then they were, as they teach, it is to what? To feed and nourish the people's soul. And that is what we are so excited the teachers are doing that. Amen? Let's give them a hand, brothers and sisters. Come on. Let me remind you to feed and nourish other people around us. It is not for us to just keep it ourselves. And it is not for us just to sit around and do nothing. God will see what God has created you to do. We need to do. Amen? Loved ones, I wonder what about what other people would think about us when they really get really close and watch how we live. What would your neighbors say when they watch how you live? What would your fellow co-workers or employers or employees would say when they watch you really close how you live? What would they see? Beyond our words, beyond our, what we say, beyond, beyond what we believe, beyond our, our vision for our family, and beyond our Christian activities, when people get really close, what would they see? I wonder if they will come to you and say, you're not really what you talk about. Sure, you invite me to your church. Sure, you invite me to your Sunday school. Sure, you invite me to small groups. But when I got real close on how you live, what you say, what you do, you don't walk the talk. Aren't you glad you came to church this morning? <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. In the same way, this fig tree did not measure up to what it was created for. And Jesus had a real problem with that. So what, Jesus, so what does Jesus do? Check this out. In the latter part of verse 19, Jesus said, Then he said to it, May you never bear fruit again. Wow. What happened, loved ones? You see it behind me. Immediately, the tree withered. Immediately, in other words, it died. It died. Jesus condemned the tree. Why? Let me explain why he condemned the tree. And let me give you a little uh, uh, history lesson about fig trees. You see, the fig tree is a unique in that it bears two full crops 
in the year, twice a year. Early in April, a little green knobs appear at the end of the branches. They are called pudgeons. And they, and they will eventually become figs. Sort of like it goes through a transformation stage. Sort of like the metamorphosis stage, right? Caterpillar becoming, I, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe it's caterpillar that turns into what? Butterflies, right? Metamorphosis, it goes through that transformation. Similar with this fig tree here. It, it goes through a transformation. It eventually becomes figs. But at that time, in the early season of producing this pageant, this early season in April, they, they, they're not edible. They're very bitter. Little by little, the leaves and the flowers open up. And another unique thing about this is that at the same time as the, the figs come up, the, the, the leaves and the flowers all come up together. It blossoms all together, all at once. That's unity right there. It doesn't come by stages. Leaves first. Okay? It doesn't do that. And then flowers. And then figs. No. It all blossoms all at once. That's one of the unique things about fig trees. No fig, listen please carefully. No fig tree ever bear fruit in April. Okay? It is too far early. In the Gospel of Mark, chapter 11, verses 13, Mark tells us this. It was not the season for figs. So the question that you arises, okay, Jesus, you're in April, around April time in Jerusalem because you're there to celebrate Passover, right? Passover is during the celebration time of day, April. And again, it is not season for the figs. But why did you condemn and criticize a fig tree that naturally do not produce figs in early in April? That's the question. And we may even say, looking at this text, God, Jesus, aren't you being a little harsh here? Condemning a tree that was supposed to not blossom and produce figs, edible fruit at that time? Aren't you being a little harsh here? Aren't you being a little critical? Aren't you being judgmental? Is your, is your anger Emotion or your human side taking over because you couldn't satisfy your hunger? That you got your, you know, emotion involved? And are we seeing the human Jesus right now? That's a question that you all may be thinking. And some may even challenge Jesus. Man, he's not God. He showed his emotions right here by condemning a harmless fig tree. Perhaps that's some of the questions that may be going in your mind at this moment. But here's why Jesus condemned the fig tree. You see, when Jesus got real close, all he saw was leaves. The leaves appeared that it was bearing fruit, but it was not. Do you see that? As I share with you, the uniqueness of the fig tree is that it all blossoms together. The figs, the leaves, and the flowers. All at once. So when Jesus got real close, it appeared to bear fruit, but it was not bearing fruit. Amen? 
Therefore, he cursed the tree because it appeared and looked like it was producing fruit, but in reality, it was not. And that's why Jesus Christ calls it hypocrisy. If you see, if you ever saw the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, he criticized the religious leaders, leaders at that day for hypocrisy, being hypocrites. They appeared to be bearing fruit, but they were not. It was a false facade. For that reason, Jesus brought condemnation and judgment. For this condemnation and judgment goes as a far deeper. And the reason why he goes as a far deeper in this condemnation. And here's the implication as we get this from this lesson here. Here's why. When Jesus cursed the fig tree, this was actual indictment concerning the fruitless religious leaders at that time. Are you with me? Because throughout Scripture, you will notice the fig tree is a symbol of nation of Israel. The fig tree stood either as fruitfulness, faithfulness, or fruitlessness and faithlessness of nation of Israel. It was a symbol of the nation of Israel. And this is what Jesus had a real hard time with. And that's why Jesus cursed the fig tree. It was nation itself and the rejection of him. He was not really directing the problem with the fig tree. It was far deeper into that. In fact, it was condemning the fig tree. Jesus was rejecting the religious leaders of that generation and predicting that they would not produce any fruit. So it was an indictment, not necessarily to the fig tree, but it was an indictment to the religious leaders at that time. So Jesus was making his point. You see, the sad irony is this. The same power that killed that fig tree, it is the same power that God can give life and fruit. It could bring change in the religious leaders. But they decide not to. What Jesus was saying is this. I am the key to your barrenness and your fruitful, fruitlessness. But you are not receiving me, religious leaders. You are not believing in me, religious leaders. So he says you are condemned. Because you don't believe in me. And you don't receive me. Brothers and sisters, we can be big, we can be big and green, but also barren. Just like this fig tree. Just because there is vegetation does not mean there is edible fruit. You see. We attend church on every Sundays and we do all Christian activities, but it does not necessarily mean that we belong to Jesus Christ. Fruit bearing is always a sign of authentic relationship with Jesus Christ. We cannot be trusting in religious activities, even in the knowledge of God. We cannot even trust our past prayer of assurance of salvation. We cannot even trust any of that. The only thing that we can put our trust is in hope and Jesus Christ alone. Amen? Amen. 
What affirms who we are and what we do is the fruit that we bear. And you know those fruit what, uh, we, uh, that Jesus is, is talking about. And Paul echoes that in Galatians, right? The fruit of the Spirit. We know that very well. The fruit of the Spirit is some of the, again, is the, the love, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. And it goes on. Those are the fruit that Jesus is teaching us about as, as followers of Christ that we need to produce in our lives. And the question is, when people get real close, and they, they get real close and to see how you live, and, and they, will they see that the fruit, that are you bearing those fruits? Or, are the, or is it just simple spiritual words? Is it cliches? And, and they don't mean anything. But question naturally arises again. Are we bearing fruit? Now Jesus shifts gears from fruitless to faith-filled life. And this is what I want to talk about. So second point is this. If you could turn the slide, you will see it. It is fruit-filled, excuse me, faith-filled, and faithful. And we'll cover that in verses 20 through 22. In verses 20, Matthew says this. When the disciples saw this, they were amazed. How did the fig tree wither so quickly, they asked. Now naturally, the disciples seeing this happen, they're going to ask Jesus, Jesus, what just happened to this tree? And Jesus, from being asked that question, and he's going to use this as a teaching moment. And here's what I believe that Jesus is teaching through this lesson. There are three basic reasons Jesus connects faith to this faith. Fullness. And you see it behind me. And it says, our faith in Jesus is the difference between life and death. That's the difference. Second, our faith in Jesus is the difference between fruitfulness and barrenness. That's the difference. That's the difference what makes when we believe in Jesus Christ. The third is our faith in Jesus is the difference between powerfulness and powerlessness. Why is there so many Christians living today or professing Christians living today? They lack power. They lack fruitfulness. They lack life. Because the difference is their faith in Christ is weak or their faith in Christ is absent, or their faith in Christ is non-existence. You see? But I believe UBC, that's a different story. I believe, my brothers and sisters, that we are faith-filled. Amen? That we are full of life. Amen? And that we are full of power. Amen? Come on now, church. You could do better than that. The fact that the religious leaders did not believe in Jesus, he says to them as a nation, you don't know what you are missing by not believing in me. You have no idea what you have chosen, what you have decided not to believing in me. You are barren because you don't believe. In other words, he said, you don't bear fruit because you don't believe. 
You are barren because you don't believe. My faith releases my power. That's what he's saying. I don't know about you, but I want to experience God's power. Amen? And how I could experience that power, and that power is available to me and to you, is by believing in Jesus Christ. And as we believe in Jesus Christ, He will release His power unto you and unto me and unto UBC. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. God is good. And Jesus said to all of us, if there is no walk with God, there is no growth in Christian life. And there is no fruitfulness unless there is faith. You cannot get around that. You cannot get around that. Loved ones, please listen carefully. And I mean this with all my heart. Sooner or later in your walk with God, He's going to confront you regarding your faith and where you need to go. He's going to confront you. And you're going to come to a point where you're going to have to make a decision. And am I going to follow Christ faithfully and fully, wholeheartedly, and to love Him with all of my heart, with all of my soul, with all of my strength, and with all of my uh, strength? That Am I going to be willing to do that? And am I going to be willing to love my neighbor as, as I love myself? Am I all in? That's one question that you're going to have to ask. Answer. And Jesus is going to confront you regarding to your faith and where you need to go with it. Perhaps there's some things that God is nudging you in your heart. Perhaps God is challenging you. Perhaps God is challenging you to, to, to reach out to someone and you've just been kind of like neglecting it. You've been just kind of putting it on the shelf. You've just kind of been not obeying it. But it will come to a point where Jesus says, are you all in? Or are you all out? He's going to confront you with that. Every person who believes in Jesus Christ is going to exercise believing in faith. So he describes this faith in verse 21. Jesus says this, Truly I tell you, if you have faith and do not doubt, underline that word, do not doubt, not only can you do what was done to the fig tree, not only what you could do what I've done to the fig tree, but he says, check this out. You see this mountain here? You see this mountain? You can say to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and it will be done. Now Jesus, as he was walking on the road, he noticed the mountain and he pointed at the mountain. Says, you see that mountain? You think what I did to the fig tree just withered like that? You think that was amazing? You think that was awesome? No, if you have faith and you don't doubt and you have faith in God, you're going to do far greater things to make the, a fig tree wither. Because, my, because faith releases my power. And he's making the point. He says, you see that mountain? Your faith can move that mountain. Now, is he talking literally or figuratively? I wish I had the strength and power to move the mountain like that, but you know that he's talking figuratively. The point that he's making is this. Jesus is saying, in human strength, very little can be done. Have you been there? 
Have you been that you try to do it with your own strength and it just didn't happen? You try to do it and you just, flat, you just fell flat in your face. And sometimes maybe even honestly you got embarrassed because you tried to do it. Especially men, we are very proud, aren't we not? Are you with me, men? And we are, solu- we are problem solvers. We are task-oriented. And when there is a problem, we come up with a solution, and we try to do it on our own. And we are task-oriented, and if there's a task, we want to accomplish those tasks. And God sometimes says, no, 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 no. That's your way, that's, but that's not my way. Have you been there? Man, come on. I've been there. Some of your men, you guys are not being honest with me. But that's all right. What Jesus is saying, in your human strength, very little can be done. And all of us, men and women, can testify to that. Amen? But when we trust and believe in Jesus Christ, without doubting God, then anything is possible. Amen? Because that's what Jesus says, what is impossible for man, it is possible for God. As you believe in me, I will release my power unto you. Amen? The mountains can be overwhelming, challenging, and it could be anything. It could be any oppositions that you face. So the question I have to ask is, what are the mountains that you are currently facing right at this moment? What are they? And you looking at that mountain and say, there's that no way that mountain's going to move. And you're crying out to God. And God is listening. What are those mountains? Mountains could be financial, financial problems. Perhaps some of you are dealing with some financial problems. Perhaps you're dealing, some of you are dealing with marriage problems. Perhaps some of you are dealing with personal interaction a relationship with a co- co-worker, employer, or employee, or your family member, or even your neighbor. You're having a conflict. Perhaps some of the inner struggles that you're dealing with over the years, many years. What are those mountains? And through this simple story, Jesus Christ is telling us is that if you have faith and you don't have doubt, then you can remove those mountains, how, no matter how big that they it may seem. No matter how long that it's been there. Nothing is poss- impossible for God. Amen. To that, Jesus says this in verse 21. Do not doubt. Do not doubt. Faith cannot walk on two sides in the road on the same time. You cannot have one foot on doubt and one foot in faith. You cannot. It doesn't go. It contradicts one another. Faith cannot walk on both sides. Faith does not embrace doubt at all. Do you ever struggle with doubt? Yes, absolutely. Do you struggle with faith? Yes. Do you ever get fearful? Absolutely. Do you get anxious sometimes? Absolutely. Faith is only strengthened in the context of opposition. Do you hear me? The reason why you struggle with faith sometimes is because God put those struggles in your life to strengthen your faith. Amen? Faith can be only strengthened when you face opposition. 
When you persist and endure, that is when your faith becomes strong. I remember, if I could re reflect in the back of my past days, the times that I grew the most in my faith is when I faced oppositions, when I faced trials, when I faced tribulations, when I, asked, when I had many questions about life. Those were the times when I grew the most in my faith. And I'm sure all of you can agree with me and resonate with me that when the times when you grew the most is when you face opposition. Trials and tribulations and difficult moments, difficult circumstances. A hard breakup with your boyfriend or your girlfriend. You got crushed. You're like, ouch. You know? I remember going to the Lord when I was a young man. I, I used to go on my knees. I said, whom do I have but thee, O Lord? You know? Because no one can meet your needs. You and I know that. Faith can only grow and is strengthened in the context of opposition. And Jesus gives, you, gives us a wonderful promise in verses 22. He says, if you believe, if you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. Amen? This is a wonderful promise. You may ask, well, Pastor Nick, have you ever prayed about something and God did not do it? Absolutely. I prayed earnestly in the morning and in the evening. And when I ever had tensed, whenever I thought about something, that I still prayed about it. But it did not come the way that I wanted. And you may say, well, have you prayed about healing? I did. I prayed for my mentor, uh, Robert Gady. He had ALS, and I prayed that God will heal him for his LLS, ALS. And, and matter of fact, many pastors, many people, and many churches were praying for Robert Gady to, for God to heal his ALS. But however, God did not, and God called him to be home with him. Did you ever pray for a job and you didn't get the job? And you're like, Lord, I need this job because if I don't get this job for the next five, day, five weeks, I can't pay my rent, I can't pay my mortgage, I can't pay my car bill, I can't pay my electrical bill, I can't even buy grocery list, uh, groceries, uh, groceries. If next five weeks I can't find a job, then I can't survive. There are people who pray that, and they were not able to get their job, but their faith was strengthened and even more powerful, even though that God did not give them the job next five weeks. You see? You see, and the, you might say, well, I believe, but how come God is not answering? Jesus said, if you believe, you will receive whatever you ask, for in prayer. Here's the problem, my dear brothers and sisters. You see, our problem is faith is that we want to dictate to God the dimension of faith that He should operate in. You got that? 
Faith is that we want dictate to God the dimension of faith that he should operate in. But God does not work in your own dimension. Amen? And you don't dictate God. That's the problem. But God does not work according to our schedule or the way we want. Some of us in, in this room today can testify, yeah, God, I want it this way, but God said, no, 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 no. That's your way, but that's not my way. My way is the highway, the better way. Amen? Have you been there? Sometimes he keeps us in a situation and does not answer the way we want. But he answers in a way that goes beyond anything we ever desire. He gives us more, all the more. Amen? Through our lives, he wants to be glorified. Remember the situation with Paul. Paul, he never asked for God for, uh, for anything. Because again, he was a rejoicing in the Lord, and he wanted to do great work for God. When he was in prison, he never asked God, say, God, get me out of this prison. When he was hungry, he didn't ask God, God, I need food for my stomach. When he was being uh, persecuted, he said, God, help me not to be persecuted. When he was uh, ridiculed or when he was beaten, he said, God, help me not to get beaten or avoided. Help me not even to be shipwrecked. But he did ask one thing to God. What was that? He had a thorn in his flesh. And it was pretty painful to him. And it was so painful that he pleaded, God, God. Can you remove this thorn in my flesh? Do you remember that story? Paul would have said, Paul would have liked, okay, Paul, I'm Jesus, I could do anything, so I'll remove that thorn in the flesh. That's what Paul would want it, right? And that's what any of you would want it, right? But that's not how God works. You remember that story? What does he say? God is, God, I love God. He says, my grace is sufficient for you. Amen? You're scratching your head and you're looking at the reading the Bible and said, that's not what Paul wanted to hear. Paul wanted to hear, I'm going to heal you. But God knew that healing was only a temporal thing. But the grace empowers and is more powerful. And grace is eternal. Grace is forever. Amen? Grace is far better. And what did Paul respond? He said, well, so be it. And what did he say later on? When I am weak, I am strong. Amen? He's not talking about physical strong, right? He's not talking about uh, physical strength, but he's talking about I am strong in God. I am strong and powerful in, sp in my spirit because I know what Jesus says Faith releases my power. So therefore, I am strong. And then later on, he says, I will give what? Glory and honor and exaltation. And you know, Paul, he loves to give that benediction and adoration. See, through our lives, he wants to be glorified. So I want to encourage you, my dear brothers and sisters. Perhaps the prayers that you've been lifted up. God did not answer it the way you want it. But remember, God knows you more than you know yourself. And he will give you a better, better, better than what you ask for. Amen?
I'm finishing up in closing. To be the church that God intended us to be, we must first believe in Him. We must be real. We must be authentic and not doubt. If we, have, if we lack faith, then we must ask God for, give us a greater faith. Okay? Jesus used the fig tree to teach the power of faith. But throughout the gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus never reduced to forcing anyone to believe what they do not really believe in the first place. And he's refer we're referring to the religious leaders. Instead, it is believing in him. We will never produce real fruit, nor we will understand what we were created for if we do not have a practical relationship believing in Jesus Christ as our Lord. Amen? Amen. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word today. And we thank you for challenging us through the story of the fig tree. Father, may we not be like this fig tree that when people see us that it looks like we're bearing fruit. But when they get real close, when they look at how we live, they would not be surprised and say, wait a minute, you faked me out. I thought you were a man or woman that bears fruit. I thought you were a man and woman of disciple of Christ. But you really are a hypocrite. And many of us in this church know that we heard some people say that. Father, we want to be real, we want to be genuine, and we want to be the real deal. And we don't want to fake people out. And when Jesus comes real close, he will see us as bearing fruit. He will see UBC bearing fruit. Hallelujah. So God, we thank you. And we pray that you would empower us, fill us, so that we will bear much fruit. For your honor and glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Yeah, come on, let's sing.